Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, men and women, non-conformers and non-believers, gender X and gender equals, welcome to Eat the Storms, the poetry podcast and our very first episode of the new year at 2022. Let me start off by wishing you all a bigger, better and brighter year to come. But regardless of what happens in the coming days or weeks, we will be here to guarantee that your year stays bloody poetic. And today, with our first show back, it is no exception. Today, my guests bring dogs, portraits and omens. A Hungarian poet on the road from Brighton to Manchester waiting for a belly rub. Wolves and heat-drunk warriors of light onions and walking birds and an Englishman in Bavaria splitting the atom and trying to understand the blazing fires of Paris. This is Eat the Storms and I'm your host and producer Damien B. Donnelly coming to you on Spotify, Apple, Anchor, Google, Breaker, Podbean, Player FM, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Overcast, Cast, Box, Podcast, Addicts and iTunes. And I could not be happier that myself and these five guest poets get to share this very first day of the new year with you. So please settle down, put the feet up, close your eyes and let the poetic journeys begin. I hope you enjoy the show. Today on the show, I'm going to share two poems with you, one here at the beginning and one at the end. And both of these poems are in honour of Catherine Ann Cullen and her two year residency at Poetry Ireland, which came to an end last week. For two years, especially through Covid, she has kept us all creating with her poetry prompts, which at first were every day and since have been every week. Two of the poems, of the many, many poems that have been inspired by her poetry prompts, were recently published. This first one was published in Fragments of Time, a collection of poetry, prose and paintings throughout the pandemic. Published by Holding It Together Apart, which is a branch of the Dublin City Council, this poem was inspired by a Bloomsday poetry prompt from Catherine Anne in 2020. Funny, the oddity of this odyssey after Joyce. Funny, isn't it? Bathing, morning after waking like drowning the dream. Tasting, eating, drinking, old pants out, new pants on, under, in between, tightly tucked so as not to protrude, but track, put away. I'm always centre. Others are right or maybe left and then coat and car and blow someone a kiss or kiss yourself in the mirror if no one has lingered, stayed, stained the sheets with sweat or that's something sweeter. And we're off. Out. Riding through the traffic, tightly tucked and now taunt. Trying to get through the thoroughfare, the teasing, the tweezing, the twitching, the thinking about all the hours ticking, the tedium, the tick, the tit, the tat, the time I stayed and he left. In a taxi, where I held his hand while running through other traffic in another town. And then work. 
Greetings and coffees and doors and cubicles and pissings and shittings before chairs and desks and turning it all on and counting down to when you can turn it all off again. After the meetings and the lunches and the more coffee and more cubicles and the odours and distractors and disruptors and protrusions and protractions and the tension in the pan still thought and all the thoughts in between. Buy milk. Remember not to smoke, want to smoke, smell smoke, pot it out. Go home, cook, shit, shave, shag or not or more or wish. Use her hands, his hands, their hands, your hands, anybody's lips, pants down over hips. Pull the curtains, hit the light, save the fucking dream you almost drowned this morning. Funny, isn't it? My first guest today on Eat the Storms is taking us across the Atlantic Ocean to Virginia in the United States to a veteran, scholar and visual poet who lives in the woods. I have often seen her online in the presence of Robert Kenter, he of Iceflow Press, and one of the poems he published of hers she will read today. She creates visual poems from many different poetic forms and invites collaboration and I implore you if you get the chance to hear her reading live and by live I mean on Zoom or over the internet somehow, which is now the way we communicate these days, I advise you that this will be a very worthwhile experience. As I saw her reading at Robert Kenter's launch of his collection Eden and she blew me away. She believes that poetry is a way to generally cherish wordsmithing and to communicate through space and time. So today, joining us here in Ireland, while still in the woods of Virginia, this is the always breathtaking Margaret Weibel Setiseri, who is more commonly known as Mags Vibo. Thank you, Damien, for inviting me to eat the storms. I first saw Damien during the launch party for Robert Kenter's visual poetry book, Eden but I'm obviously a fan of his podcast. I'm delighted to share some poetry from my home in the woods, not far from Edgar Allan Poe's hometown of Richmond, Virginia. I enjoy creating all poetic forms, but I'm mostly known for my object poems and burn text and ash poetry creations. I'm drawn to folklore with narratives that speak about science, gothic horror, and history. My selections for this podcast will paint a family portrait, discuss our era of COVID, and I'm going to give a content warning for the final selection, which speaks to miscarriages and war. My hope is that you'll visit my website, magsvibo.com, and look for my poetry, which is included in the forthcoming anthology out with Pentaract Press in 2022. Keep in touch as we enjoy the moodiness and changing weather of poetry. Thank you, Damien. Now let's eat the storms. My first selection is a retelling of the classic Greek fables. It reimagines a tale set in the backdrop of modern Washington, D.C. during a pandemic. Originally published in the Babel Tower Notice Board in 2020, thank you to Richard Kapener for appreciating my piece and trusting that I, 
a poet who really hadn't published much out of the war poetry realm, had something to offer the visual poetry spaces. Aesop 2020 Greedy, treasure-seeking, monkey-swinging, acting as king of the animals. Learning little of treasured tales of a snare and a dare from a fox. And we ought to see through you, touting pills for mosquitoes. We should know the hedgehog and tricks of the wolf and stomp of a hoof at bit and spur to find a cure, covering our jaws, laws, reins, and claims that saddles bridle the idled. But this race is for the tortoise and not the hare. If we but care to stop the pace of deadly haste which poisons air, Aesop warned us and history repeats. Tweet of the pitcher, pebbles, and peril of rushing without knowing the moral of a trapped tale. Published in 2021 in Afterwards, I Am Here, edited by David Surface. This is about that time that the dog chewed a picture of the family. Portrait. She chewed the canvas. Pieces of you, shards of me on the floor scattered. An omen? Perhaps. Or maybe a chance to show that our bodies don't stay in one place very long. Nomadic, peripatetic, feeling the wonders of our mother of pearl. Our canvas bare to share another saga. Of kintsugi, wasabi, grilled lobster, and Mount Fuji. A DD-214 and landing in the Deutschland not far from Hessen. And one step Closer to the people of the planes, aeroplanes, and Audubon, and then he's gone with duffel bags. To a land of jagged mountains, sands, and snow. Like pieces of you, flakes of me, on the ground, scattered. An omen? Perhaps. Or maybe a chance. This selection was originally published in The Mouth of a Lion, Apocalyptic Visual Poetry, edited by James Knight of Steel Incisors Press in 2021. It's currently in an art installation at Dulles International in Washington, D.C., curated by Dr. Anne-Marie Halterman, founder of Uniting Us, and the galleries at Tacoma Park, Maryland, curated by Brendan Smith. It also spent time in a summer exhibition known as Quarantine Creations, curated by Dr. Baxter Perkinson of the Perkinson Center for Art and Education at Chester, Virginia. The technique employed is what I call ash poetry, which harkens back to burning any kind of books or documents as an act of censorship or defiance. Scapegoating in the Silver Age. Burned edges of a Tyndale scripture. The precipice of Agnon. Horrors of Dachau. A painting with horns wrapped in red cloth. Blocking coughs, a goat, atonement, and Leviticus. My wish for us that it is driven off without persecuting a lantern or blaming Pandora's box. For a woman getting milk didn't start this ilk, and bloodletting nor confessing will expel this virus. If quarreling were the cure, we would never fall ill. Still we lay blame and shame on she who would use an alabaster jar of perfume. We assume vampire bats in caves and smashing great auk eggs. But blame isn't science. It's burning a witch, consulting a Ouija board, piling it high, blaming Ono when Lenin died. 
avoiding a mill with Munslow, a flight with patient zero, punishing a pangolin as a whipping boy, or Ismay for a sinking shame. It's totally absurd to state that heretics, criminals, beggars, lepers, the poor, devils, gods, atheists, the sins of the father, the holy mother, or whatever rejected, dejected, we can lay this blame game on. But none of it is a cure. Some wounds are so catastrophic, there's a type of mummification from all that gauze. Originally, this was a poetry film posted in 2020. Thank you to Robert Kenter of Iceflow Press for publishing my war poetry. My selection today has a content warning because it grapples with miscarriages and war. Nima, you're just a glob of blackness and blood on the tiled floor. Water rushing over you. What is your name? I think Nima as my head dampens and you ooze down my thighs. What might you have looked like, staring back at me? Mother, that name foreign. You are an extraterrestrial glimmer, a distant shimmer of a thought clinging to I am. Of shifting sands, Arnhem lands, gushing over me, aiming right at you. I see through the scope of whatever weapon gets thrust in my hands. These machines that reap much damage. These thoughts that sow far worse. But you are the manifestation of my worst fear. I will collect up the boneless parts of what was me and bury it beneath the memories. I will not speak of this shame. I will not count baby fingers and piggy toes. God knows you will not coo at grandma or whisper dada. It'll be as if it never happened, except when I look at the swirling water flowing so easily down. This pain is mine to bear, and I swear to God that I prayed I would never hurt a baby. And if you'd have lived, I very well would have. Because the lines between would've, could've, and should've are warlike provocation. Nations fighting nations over spoils and plundering mothers, children, and the poor. No more will I stay silent, except in the memories I've buried, burned, or washed down. Next up on the show today is a Hungarian poet who's currently based in the UK, was formerly in Brighton, but has recently moved to Manchester. I discovered her poetry on Twitter and recently was thrilled to hear her read at the Cheltenham Poetry Festival in November of last year. Her work has appeared in Atrium, Acumen and Selcott Station, and soon she'll have work appearing in the Broken Sleep Books Eco Poetry Anthology. 
A selection of her poems, Headspace, was published by Broken Sleep Books as part of their imprint, Legitimate Snack, and in June 2022, they launch her first pamphlet that will be then winding its way to our bookshelves. Today, I am delighted to have with us here on Eat the Storms, Nora Blaschuk. Hi everyone, thank you for having me on your wonderful podcast, Damien. I'm really happy to be here. I'm Nora Blaschuk, a Hungarian poet who has been living in the UK for the last 15 years, most of that in Brighton. Uh, by the time this airs, however, I'll be living in Manchester. Uh, my first pamphlet is coming out next year in June with Broken Sleep Books and it's titled Body of Work Body. The poems in this pamphlet were all written over the course of the pandemic and deal with the changing nature of work, especially office and homeworking, and how it all impacts our body and mind. I asked myself the question, what happens when the sole use of our bodies is to sit at a desk and work? I try to break out from this situation and burst into these poems, uh, break out from the confines of capitalist uh, corporate language and relationships. I'm going to share a poem now uh, from the pamphlet, which uh, hasn't been published anywhere yet. And it goes like this. Wallowing is a sign of well-being in swine. Roll around like pigs in this language. Parasite. Scratch until I bleed acronyms. Pleasantries roll off my tongue. Blubber side to side. Spit them out like corsodil. This vocabulary corrodes my palate. Familiar flavors turn sour. Lap it up. Emerge for air. Watch others give in to it. Trotters in the air cooling. Waiting for a belly rub. The next poem I'm going to read from the pamphlet uh, has already been published by Broken Sleep Books as part of their Legitimate Snack series, which is their limited edition imprint. Um, this poem's called GIF. GIF. In the round mirror, face, edges, hair, granular stare into white of the eye. See nights dreaming your death your face looking back, in the round mirror, aches angular, mouth holds back scream, this transaction between me and mirror image of me is a Hollywood movie, you can do this, corporate single woman in her thirties, straightening jacket, Crisp shirt, floss, look down at toothpaste stains, ripping pyjama stitch, stay afloat in bath, same again day. In the round mirror, gums eat face, rub, pret all over newly acquired headbuds, finally feel something, dunk myself in iced lattes, revert. In the round mirror, smiling. What else is there? Is smiling, is laughing, is cackling, is crying. Now 
I'm going to read one more poem from the pamphlet, which uh, was published by Acumen in their 101st issue um, called Plants. Watch them beg for light, beg for water. To this house, plants come to die. North-facing windows, radiator on full blast, too damp, too dry. On the day we're told to express devotion with gifts that wilt or melt, you turned up with a bromeliad flowering in purple-blue. Now ahead, taking an afternoon nap, it droops and I do nothing. I surround myself with testimonies of life rather than life. They gasp. I read that, I read that green spaces make us happy. I, for one, always preferred the color brown. Brown tips, I carefully tear off the last one, face pressed against the glass, pleading for help. I feel for them trapped with me. I lean close and whisper, we're going to be fine. So now I'm going to read a couple more poems. Both of them focus on the theme of food, which I seem to be writing a lot about. Um, this one is called Self-Raising and has come out in Selku Station recently. Self-Raising. Don't care if you leave the seat up, the world is ending. We run out of toilet paper, cardboard, binoculars, cue on radiator, lunch break goofing around, trumpet march, bathroom to kitchen, chuckle spread Coleman's. I've been crying again, weighs on us like spoons of flour on a scale, piling until nowhere to return the excess, hold me together, get the cheese to sick bay, they say on Star Trek, and you write it on the whiteboard, under your friend's name. And I'm going to end with a short one. Uh, called The Lettuce and uh, that was published on Atrium uh, recently. The Lettuce. The Lettuce waits for the day of reckoning, snap after snap, blanket on cheese and ham. You will never get to the core of the problem by peeling away layers. It will reveal itself when you least expect Throw away plastic, crunch the stub. Thank you for having me. My next guest on Eat the Storms today clearly demonstrates the positive power of the internet and Twitter in particular and is exactly what this podcast is about, a space for people to share their voices. Somebody recently tweeted a post from this next guest who was talking about the launch of their latest collection of poetry and ways of promoting it and of course I immediately reached out and offered him a place here at Eat the Storms which he delightfully agreed to. 
He has lived with his wife Penny and a shout out and hello here to dear Penny in London for the past 14 years, has three grown up stepsons, a daughter-in-law and one grandson who often inspires his writing. And recently he returned to explore poetry, having written it previously in his childhood and actually one of the poems he's going to read today from his latest collection called The Walking Bird was written when he was a slightly younger man. As he says himself, the sole reason for choosing the words for the walking bird is the desire that they will contribute to what we share in common. They are his attempt at making simple that which at times seems complex. The walking bird is currently available on Amazon with details in the accompanying blog post. But for the moment, joining us here, this is Mike Gordon. My name is Mike Gordon. Damien has very kindly invited me on Eat the Storm's poetry podcast to read from my book of short poems recently published with Amazon, The Walking Bird, Collected Words. I have enjoyed a love of poetry and of writing poetry since childhood, which I suspect would be true for many of you listening to me now. Poetry has allowed me to hammer out some sense and understanding, and permitted an honesty which is very often lacking from our day-to-day -day life. It has allowed me to discover and cope and celebrate. I didn't discover my voice until my mid-forties, and then a very brief and to-the-point voice. This said, the title poem, The Walking Bird, was written when I was 16, 58 years ago. Nevertheless, the question put by the poem, why the need to paint a dot, still bears relevance for me today. So I would like to begin my reading with The Walking Bird. Shall I write furiously of success? The hurt that reduces my hands to pinion flesh permits me movement neither way, when all the youth around me shout their arrival in strong-coloured visions of fame. In the very things I denounce, pinch me with their imbecility, till I bleed silently from a desk. Why the need to paint a dot? It will only dry, crack with a sharp sting, crumble, following me to earth. Yet how I am taunted by a fact. I have the wings of the flight. I must become the walking bird. Why the need to paint a dot? Yet most of us try to. As a young man, I traveled and worked in many places. The next poem, what we have in common relates to when I was working in the jungle in Borneo as part of a seismic exploration team. After a long and hard camp I was taking an afternoon sleep, but I was not alone. What we have in common. The sun flushed hotly as it climbed to noon. Beneath covered by canvas that smelt of dried rain, 
I slept. Outside, on bare brown baked stone, the snake slept. I arose as the sun fell, just in time to see its red-black back slither away, leaving me standing there, quietly sharing what we have in common. Sex is fun. Well, for most of the time. Though so much resides in the mind. The next poem illustrates this point. A Girl's Blouse Sitting in a coffee house, I saw a girl's breast burst through her blouse. Then again, maybe not. More the stretching of the fabric of my imagination. As I said, in the mind, I can see the vigorous nodding of heads by gentlemen of a certain age. Being young in the sixties and early seventies, I was subjected to free love, which I entertained enthusiastically. Also popular at the time was the expression, no such thing as a free lunch. There seemed to me to be a connection between the two. A one-night stand. His clothes lay by the bed, rumpled with the urgency of a one-night stand. Morning comes with warmth and indifference to the night. She stares at him in sad reproach. What all men want. He says goodbye with lies. What's good? Will call, then scurries down the hall, not knowing, yet knowing, that this is not what he wants at all. Peppered throughout the walking bird are thoughts which I have expressed by very few words. Here are some. I should mention, though, that the first advice is the shortest in the entire book, but does have a postscript poem, Onions. Advice, the vice of opinion. Onions. Opinions are like onions. Peel away the first layer to reveal the next. Ad infinitum. Ad nauseum. Onions make me cry. Racism. Racism is a pigment of imagination. Life is coloured by people. Life. I only left it for a minute, and it was gone. Death. All this fuss over nothing.
Choosing the poems that give a true reflection of my book in such a short period of time really is quite hard. However, if I have managed to stimulate your interest, then please do go to my Amazon book page where you can find and read some sample poems and maybe even get your own copy of The Walking Bird. A Christmas present, perhaps. I have no problem with being your Christmas present. My last poem returns me to my childhood and the wonderful holidays that I had with my grandmother and grandfather in a little village called Connell Ferry, just outside of Oban, on the west coast of Scotland. Their lifestyle, compared to that of mine in Glasgow, was very basic and simple, and I utterly loved it. There are three poems in The Walking Bird that take me back to Connell Ferry and catch up again with my childhood. This is one of them. It's time for bed. I remember a room that wore wallpaper too thin for decency. The lilt of voices that would tilt my world into happiness as the rain flung itself furiously against the window in tearful frustration, and I glowed warmly in the shadow of the tilly lamp that hissed like a snake. Safe from the sky at dusk, so blood-red I thought it dead. Safe from the tinkers, who would surely take me away, or so I'd heard. Cowering with pleasure, as the fire leapt into my eyes, into caves where buried treasure, danger lay, and every minute must be saved. Until my mother, arm around me, softly said, It's time for bed. Thank you for listening. My next guest is a frequent contributor to Black Bow Poetry's Top Tweet Tuesday on Twitter, where poets share their poems and fellow poets and lovers of poetry react positively to those poems. Last year, she bulldozed her way into our hearts when a selection of her writings appeared as part of the Silver Branch series at that same Black Bow Poetry, which is still available to read and the link is in the blog post. She also appeared for the very first time on Eat the Storms last year for our special and spooky Halloween episode, which is why today I am so delighted that she is back with us, slightly stepping away from the spooky, even if there are numerous insects such as wasps and light-bearing moths in her poetry today. She is a broadcast journalist and a communications freelancer from Wales with two children for whom she acts as a PA. Her work has also appeared in Wombwell Review, Phil Words and The Tide Rises Falls. This, I'm very honoured to say, returning to Eat the Storms is the wonderful Polly Oliver. Hello, I'm Polly. I'm Cornish-born, living and writing in Wales, and I'm delighted to be on this bloody poetic Irish podcast. Thank you, Damien. I've got three long and three short poems I do hope you enjoy. 
kicking off with a recent one and a true story too. This is on finding familiar woods filled suddenly with menace. Jaw set hard with a day's irritants, hives scrawl over skin, back spring-coiled, synapses crackle and short. I seek soul-cleansing green, settling swish of tree music. Card door bang, pulses too still air, jangle of dropped keys jolts the clenched space behind the ribs. Swift glance to the under-shadows at the hem of the clustering trees. And I shove down needling questions like why I walk this touch more upright, why this theatrical briskness of step, why is there no one else here? In the sound-stifling canopy, a closing in, bird voices mute, leaf rustling stilled, trunks tower higher than remembered in a mid-afternoon gloaming, Blackness coalesces, seems to emanate. Panic rings high in the ears, insides lurch in the listening sylvan silence. Mocking malice in a jay-shriek as I retreat, stumbling from where I'm unwelcome. This next poem is called Wasp's Nest. The thickened fury of their rowl still clung in patches to the skirts of the house. The afternoon hummed with heat, her head buzzed, with the residue of frustrated tears, the sting at the tail end of love. Clustering clouds closed the blue arcing window to space, and under the pressure cooker sky the buzzing grew, its source no longer inside her skull, but pestering round the back door, and helicoptering low to the leathered mouth of a cobwebby, season-weathered boot. Her obscene abdomen, a tiger-striped teardrop, dripping pheromones, the queen could be seen. Primed by nature's alarm colour scheme, the yellow and black stung her out of ennui. Too close to the house, they must be put out. She watched as he threw the shabby old shoe with its small bald colony to the distant margins of the garden. For a time, a few workers who missed the eviction searched confusedly the vicinity of home, disorientated by disaster unwitnessed, permanently adrift from the vanished. They watched the display of displacement play out in the curl-stomached silence of the culpable and the age-trodden boot lay for weeks in the weeds with its papery clutch of tiny, empty rooms. More insecty poetry now, this time a sonnet. This is Moth. Defined by its fatal desire for more, Antennae ragged, blackened with the bright and white-hot kernel at the candle's core. This soft-winged, heat-drunk warrior of light, charmed and inflamed by phototaxic lust, regathers all its primitive life force to smash its quivering body to grey dust in its addiction-led, predestined course. And just like them, though my own wingtips burn with junkiesque predictability, 
to your relentless boiling sun I turn, flying towards destruction willingly. Ash in my hair, my mouth, my bleeding eyes, dying to live within your fire, the prize. And while we're on the subject of moths, butterflies and their ilk, here's a short poem of metamorphosis, Cocoon. Cocoon, then move through. Choose your green-veined awning. Bind to stiff xylem your dun hideout. Hunker down, drapes drawn. Unplug. Slice through wires. Digest the old, dream the new. Imaginal cells spin in fertile dark to birth your imago, nourished in compost of what's past. Shake the ash from your wings. A poem now for the ancient churches and their dwindling congregations, as well as for the lost virtue of humility. This is Elegy for a Country Church. Alone now and stooped, slower with shovel and broom to clear autumn's sodden-leaved treachery before the Sunday few. Pause at the lich gate, rest on lichenford granite. Under weathered pinnacles, rain seeps into the belfry, pools in the nave. The young no longer come, no draw these days in humble praise or gentle creak of ancient pew. Another poem of Hiraith now. This is Finisterre. Finisterre. Sea crossing to the best of places, those which hummed with magic, exhaled gorse, sirac, iodine. Dreams still of clambering anthropomorphic granite, small feet on jagged noses of gnarled beings gazing stern on turquoise bays, shifting through navy or grey. Lure of legends forged in rocky DNA, of glistening isles skirted by time, patinated with memories. My last guest on the show today is a first-time guest to Eat the Storms, and as I mentioned at the beginning, he is that Englishman in Bavaria, Germany, exploring lakes and forests and mountains and tinkering with typewriters and experimental electronic music. His latest collection is called Seldom Croak the Hawk, in which he admits himself he sets out to find the joy and diversity in the human world and among nature. His previous publications include Escaping, dream catcher and aspire and in 2021 he joined the poetry society stanza for germany he's appeared in Dreek, sarvasvati magazine and beautiful dragons but today he is here with us on eat the storm so i'm very excited to hand you over to daniel makosh 
Hi there, Damien. It's Daniel here. And it's a real pleasure to join you today on Eat the Storms. If you'd like to put me on the map, I'm in the south of Germany in a town called Fürth. I'm originally from the south of England, studied in Nottingham, and I have lived in various cities in Germany. For those of you who don't know me already from Twitter, Top Tweet Tuesday, open mics and generally zooming around the universe. More recently, I've been published in the chapbook Fire and Ice um, by Dreich, the Beautiful Dragons anthology, Lighting Out, also in Sarasvati magazine, published by Indigo Dreams Press. I also really enjoy making beautiful books of my own, Escaping, which is also translated into German, Ausgang, Dream Factory, Da Capo, Aspire, and my latest collection, Seldom, Craig the Hawk. I write poems about things that make me curious, or things that I've discovered. My work translating from German into English is a tremendous source of curiosities and miscellanea. And I very much enjoy trying out new forms. I was particularly astounded and amazed by the visual poems and creations by Astra Papa Christodoulou and also the visual poet James Knight. I also really admire Penterac Press and Gillenwatt for some wonderfully designed books. I'm working on a side project, Kernspaltung, Splitting the Atom, which is an unsettling mix of soundscapes, visuals and typewritten poems. Music features quite a lot in my poetry. I really appreciate all forms of electronic music. Which is why my first poem today is about Eliane Radic, who was one of the first electronic composers. Um, it's often overlooked. If you want to find more about her and women in electronic music, I really recommend the documentary Sisters with Transistors. Eliane, suddenly, I'm in the centre of things. Staunch chess figurine. Serene marble equine. Pulsing an incredible magnetic force between owl's wings beating waves into the night. Subliminal movements on the fourth score. I take tea with Eliane in Paris, listening carefully to the drone of a city within a city, fascinated by wires and solenoids. The next poem I'll read, Extravagant Venus, is written about the film Paris is Burning. It expresses anger in general at the brutal treatment of people who are only aspiring to express themselves. Extravagant Venus. Pepper says, if I had a plane, then we'd all fly to Paris. I say to Pepper, if I had a flame, we'd set the Champs-Élysées on fire. Wicked beauty can cause a bloody nose on the subway. Those who get home unscathed are usually the young ones. Meet me on Fifth Street. We'll have a ball. Octavia says, I hope that the way I look puts money in my pocket. Venus says, I want to get married in a church in white. I want to be on canvas in a high fashion world. All of these dreams 
close to the walls in safe houses. Vogue makes life a dance. It's fierce competition. They defy. They found Venus after four days, strangled under her bed in a sleazy hotel room, while Paris was burning. Now I'm going to read a poem to you about the night ferry that went from London to Paris, which was stopped just before the Second World War. I first read it to um, the Poetry Society stanza I'm part of, which is run by uh, Representative Lucy Heuschen. Um It's the Poetry Society stanza for Germany. The last ferry, trundling from coast to city, and again from city to coast, huddled in grandmother's furs, we suck in a lavender lungful of bath salts left behind, familiar scents mingling uncomfortably with pungent strangers. A bold man eagerly swallows a boiled egg whole. He stares. I shy away. Greasy biscuits clutched in my fingers. I cling greedily to hastily baked treats, leaving crumbs behind for mother and father to find us. Cradled inside a butter churn, the abandoned farmyard calls. Sleep soothes my weariness. In the darkness, tracks vanish. Steam now drives the ferry, chugging through the waves. On decks that heave with worry, the carriage is held steadfast. One land is discarded for the reek of oil pitted with sea salt. It's black outside, the tides are changing, the air cloys in our throats. Only hushed voices sicker through into the night. The cold clamours as the last ferry fumbles through fog to an unfamiliar destination. Before I leave you today, I'd like to read one last poem from Seldom Craig the Hawk. Painting the sea, gravel lies scattered across the causeway, fragmenting greens and blues from whites. Framed by streak panes from a lost century, Painted by hurried workerman's hands. The clouds are rolling cyclones. Gulls flee in peril from the whipping spray. Caught in the jet stream, mermaids chatter in melodious silver tongues. A muffled underwater phonograph separated from the airwaves by many leagues. Sinking with the merfolk, gratefully imbibing air from gracious lips. At greater depths, the pressure builds to a blackout, floating a painting silently from its whalebone frame. The cavernous gallery implodes with sonar clicks. Perfect inertia leaves a vacuum of sorrowful strings. 
wide and energetic strokes, consumed by immeasurable power of water dynasties, submerging orchids. Bodies jettisoned to the shore in joyous exhaustion, the serenity of composition is an incredulous score. If you've enjoyed listening today, you can visit my website at danielmccosh.com or reach out to me on Twitter at daniel underscore McCosh. Dearest listeners, we are now coming to the end of the show and that was my final guest of this very first episode of 2022. Thank you so much for joining us here. I am going to leave you with the second poem that I promised you. This poem again is in honour of Catherine Anne Cullen, whose time at Poetry Ireland and their poet in residence, their inaugural poet in residence, has just come to an end last week. This poem that I'm going to share with you, I began writing while I was staying at the Tyrone Guthrie Centre, a retreat in County Monaghan here in Ireland in November of last year. And I was able to stay there thanks to a Poetry Town Fund, which was awarded to me by Poetry Ireland. So a huge thank you and shout out to Poetry Ireland for that. Monaghan is the hometown of Patrick Kavanagh. The estate itself is situated on a lake with a forest all around it and I was there for seven days and this poem explores those seven days. Last week Catherine Anne's final poetry prompt was called Start and as I was getting to the end of this poem I didn't quite know how to finish it. Thankfully the poetry prompt Start ended the poem. This is called A Week Away. Day one arrived at night. Welcome was a heavy cloak wide enough to conceal a bat's flap. The sun, a melt of memory, had fallen over a rolling hill on journey to the north of departure. Balcony echoed on second floor, and I turned lock twice to keep whispers out of past participants still caught in the cobwebs of a storm that was brewing to cleanse shadow from the dark widow's clutch. Day two came before conscious. Three times alighted from bed as if body was a spring out of season holding mind that had forgotten how to find solace in any place where options were no longer locked down. Steadied by stilled lake, age contemplated hoops hanging out to dry over water it could no longer reach. Trials of childhood before I learned the best way to float was not react to fear. Water is not just to drown. Day three entangled itself around forest floor, rooted in all that had fallen under, fungi out of bark cut back, up ends of earth teaching towering trees that even the best of us must fall. I thought of wolves, bears, 
all it would take to survive and how simple it could be to let it all go. Beast and body, breath and belonging. Day four. Found me earlier than before and counted me far from twenty-four hours of a hand's turn. Time is not linear in terms of thought. Kavanagh, Yates, Heaney came calling through pains in rattle, over fields, feuds, in written rejections of rebellions, revolutions, governments that didn't fit into rhyme. Not every writer wants to be a martyr to recount every one of his words. Poetry is not a pledge of honesty. I am teetotaler, alcoholic, celibate, sexually deviant, broken, better, the wearer of caps that come off, a lie within the truth of all lies. Five and six were explorations of variations. Sound bites fighting for pride of place on pages not yet turned from blank. The wind, a hiss of Eden's garden, leaves lost to sail as souls came upon them like crickets to be crushed. Then footprints announced from great distances on the grey gravel under which lay his soil, his mulch here, where hedgerows leaned in to scratch its ownership over all he'd ever plant in every book. On day seven, I met Poseidon by the water, mistook body for that of devil, but his eyes held too much of the ocean to ever endure the flames of such a hellfire. There had been warnings, sightings previous of how the sun slipped across the water at the far dive of each day, how each reflection on silken surface was more perfect than the day had room for. I found God. On edge of lake, backlit and beautiful as all illusions are. This was just a sign. I had come, had descended and risen again. Man, when given freedom, is his own myth. Here, at break of day, at end of light I saw it all fall and turn and twist and dive and descend and rise again to start afresh, to begin anew. Formations of reflections gliding out over water and soaking up onto shoe, into sock, under skin and up along the bones of this body, waiting to be turned and tasted, waiting for the moment when I could be backlit and beautiful as only illusions are.
ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and men and women, non-conformers and non-believers, gender X and gender equals, we have reached the end of the first episode of Eat the Storms, the poetry podcast for 2022. My name is Damien B. Donnelly and I'm the host and producer of this show and I would like to thank you all for joining us. Whether that has been on Spotify, Apple, Anchor, Google, Breaker, Podbean, Player FM, Radio Public, Overcast, CastBox, PocketCast, Podcast, Alex or iTunes. A huge shout out to all of my guests on today's show. They have been Mags Vibo, Daniel McCosh, Nora Blaschuk, Mike Gordon and Holly Oliver. For details of all of my guests, as always, please head on over to www.eatthestorms.com. Click on the podcast section and there you will find a listing for all episodes. This was episode 5, season 4. If you would like to join the podcast as a poet or you know a poet who would be perfectly suited to reading their work in the show, then please drop me an email at eatthestorms at yahoo.com. Now, before I go... I'd like to remind you of an event coming up just next week on Sunday, the 9th of January at 7 o'clock on Zoom, with tickets currently free and available at Eventpoint. Margaret Royal will have the online launch of her collection Immersed in Blue, published by Inspired Press, and I am delighted to be the host of this event, where friends and poets of Margaret's will also share their work. So head on over to Eventbrite and look for Immersed in Blue or check out the podcast listing blog post where you will find a very easy link to purchase your free ticket. That's it for me until next week. Thank you so much for the love and support you've shown us over the past two years and I hope we will continue to enchant your Saturday, Sunday or whatever day it is you tune into the show. I wish you all a very bright and positive 2022, a year that, if you stay with us, I can guarantee will, of course, as always, stay bloody poetic!